If you're a cannabis business owner looking to expand into new markets and need guidance and support you can trust, consider Collateral Base, a group that has done it before in multiple merit-based and limited market states. Collateral Base was founded by an experienced cannabis attorney with highly educated consultants with master's degrees and years of experience in the cannabis industry. The Collateral Base team is confident they know cannabis licensing better than any of their peers. And I encourage you to see for yourself. It just takes one phone call. If you're ready to expand your cannabis business into new limited markets, contact Collateral Base today at 309-306-1095. That's 309-306-1095. Or visit collateralbase.com. This is Everything is Personal with Len May. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to another episode of Everything is Personal. <laughs> Wait, no, that's the wrong sound effect. Sorry. <laughs> that's a great that's a great way to start a show. My lovely co-host, Mr. John Small. Who just really messed up the, <laughs> the sound effect. The I, meant of to, side effects. I meant to hit applause and I hit <laughs> Well, all that's right. That's all right. That's all right. That's, that's, that's right. kind of how it started. <laughs> exactly. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Well, anyway, hi, everybody. Welcome. 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 Yes. Our guest today is an actor, an accomplished musician. Would I say a host, a DJ? Oh, yeah. A little bit of both. A OG cannabis consultant. I hate the word butt tender, as we share that hatred for that uh, word as well, and a cannabis activist. So, uh, Mr. Rob Ruckus, welcome to the show. Chiba Chiba, y'all. Chiba y'all. I don't get the trombone. No, no, no. <laughs> You're too cool for the trombone, man. You get the you get the Chiba Chiba, y'all. Did I miss anything in the intro about the many hats that you wear? Um, only other one I could think of is Ryder. Um, I write for uh, Vegas Cannabis Magazine. I do a lot. I can. I have a hard time keeping up with it all. <laughs> <laughs> so let me tell our audience a little bit of background and history of how we know each other. And then maybe you can tell people. I have a bunch of questions for you, too. Uh, but before I even do that, I understand you had some surgery. So I want to see how, you, how you're doing, how you're feeling. Feeling much better. Uh, it, was, it was almost two weeks ago now. Um, hernia surgery, man. So, you know, no big deal. Um, I've been screaming in punk rock bands for 35 years, you know, so you can blow out the walls in that stomach and your intestines start coming through it. <laughs> wow. It's like you got a cut. So I had to go get it taken care of. Doctor did me right. Only thing, you know, I, I, I'm a former opiate addict. So, you know, during the recovery, um, I didn't want to deal, deal with the pills. So uh, yeah. instead of that, I cannabis oil instead well that's it's a good thing that you had access to cannabis and you know where to get it so oh, yeah. cool. <laughs> so i just want to understand the hernia was caused by like singing screaming because i know you punk rock uh, bands and all that stuff so when you scream is it the style of singing is it because you're not singing from like your diaphragm you're just kind of pushing the air is that exactly. what, what causes it exactly exactly uh, 
and you know it's happened to a few few people that I know a bunch of different singers and different bands. And I'm not even a singer; I'm just a backup singer. Right. But you know when when we played, you know, and this happened a couple of years ago with the band I was playing with, Time Self Abuse. It was something, you know, it was a it was a great show. Everybody was getting into it. When I play, I put every fiber of my being into it. So yeah. do I sing properly? No, you know, I it comes from the gut screen. and every muscle in your stomach is hard as hell and, and and sometimes you push your gut through them <laughs> man ouch well that's that's a big sure, sacrifice i'm sure you know, being a big smoker and coughing as much as i do you know dabs don't those costume dabs ain't no joke man <laughs> oh yeah so oh yeah probably sure uh help help with you. when i told the dog the cannabis smoker he's like yeah i'll see you in the next five years <laughs> <laughs> let me try to refresh our memory and then uh our audience as well i believe we first met when you were uh moderating a panel for the vegas cannabis summit where i was on that panel you did a great job i really really enjoyed that it was super memorable uh for me because not only did you moderate the panel but you also interjected a lot of your own thoughts and opinions in that panel and i think afterwards uh, mike the chef i don't want to if anybody yeah. knows mike the chef i don't want to there's probably more than one mike the chef so i don't want to throw him under the bus but he also had this water that was like mycelium psilocybin water <laughs> we were drinking and stuff so i don't know it was a, it was an interesting conference there but i, I remember that i remember that you recall the same thing oh yeah exactly yeah the exact same thing actually <laughs> And uh, I remember giving Chef Mike a bunch of RSO because he wasn't feeling well. And, there you uh, go. He's still still doing it to this day. Yep. <laughs> yeah, and, and and Chef Mike, I think for those of you that, that know, there's a there's a show on Netflix like Cooking with Cannabis, or I don't know what the hell it's called. It may it may um, not be called Cooking with Cannabis. Maybe called something maybe else. Maybe called something special. Like, it, was, it was something like Cooking with Cannabis. Okay, well, Mike was one of the winners from all that show. He won that. So Chef. Not just a great chef, but great at infusing also. <laughs> Absolutely. Really, really good point. Great infuser. Pairing flavors and, and feelings. You know, your sativa, your indica, throw in some yep. CBD, CBD yep. back down to, so where you can go to the next plate. You know, he's really, really great at that, man. Yeah. Great. Yeah. So you great. already mentioned uh, opioids. I, I wanted to start with that and start if, uh, because I, I, I think you said on one of your social media posts or something, I remember you were talking about what you just mentioned now that you had issue yeah, with and, opioids and then you moved yeah. to, uh, and then you got off and then the, you had this surgery and the, you were, uh, they were going to give yeah. you opioids and then you started focusing on, uh, on uh, RSO uh, instead, correct? Oh yeah, they did They did give me the opioids and I ended up giving them away to a friend. I can't, I can't take them. Years ago, I, I you know I didn't get the name Ruckus for nothing. I've been in numerous car accidents. I've fallen off a building, uh, a second-story building, with a roll of carpet on my shoulder once. I've gone through the window of, of you know through, of, through cars. I've gone through the windows of a few people's houses. <laughs> um, I off stages for years. You know, I I you know I got the name Ruckus. I earned it. Um, so I did some serious damage to my back. Um, the last accident I was in, I was literally walking through a parking lot and got ran over by a limousine. Since it was a limousine in Las Vegas, the lawyers were like, oh, big time money here. Let's send them to every specialist and every doctor we can. Well, they had me going to four different specialists. Every one of them was maxing me out 
on opiates. And it wasn't like go to the pharmacy and get this shit. It was like, here's the bottle. You know, so this was, you know, 15, 10, 15 years ago was happening when the, when you could, they would just give you as much opiates as they could give you. And I ended up falling for it. I became, you know, a total addict and just realized that that wasn't the road I wanted to be on. Uh, around the same time, I lost a couple of really good friends. My, my, my roommate of 20 years, Doug Fry, my drummer of 20 years, Gary Wright, both passed away with a year to the day to each other hmm. from cancer. So I'm wanting to get off of this opiates. My friends are dying from cancer. My friend, other friend's daughter was born with cancer. So I started studying. What, what do I got to do? What do I got to do? How do I, how do I stop this? You know, how do I stop all my friends dying? And all my research kept going back to the endocannabinoid system. Feed the endocannabinoid system, the immune system gets strong, it takes care of itself. But it also taught me that it's the best anti-inflammatory in the world, that it's the best painkiller in the world, you know, it's the best sedative in the world to keep, you know, while I was going through the recovery, I, I was doing half a gram in the morning, half a gram at night, so I'm doing a full gram of, of RSO a day, which I don't recommend to average people to do that, because <laughs> it'll knock you out the but that's what I was going for. That's what I needed. I needed to be knocked out for a week, so I didn't move. Right. Um, so as I'm as I'm doing all this research, everything kept coming back to endocannabinoid system. So I dug, I dove headfirst into RSO. I started making it for my friends. I started making it for my mother. I started making it for my brothers and sisters. I've been using it for damn near ten years now. You know, before we had dispensaries out here, I had to make it myself. You know, right. now luckily can go to dispensaries i still kind of think people should make it themselves it is illegal but you know when it comes to if you got a family member that's dying uh, i i want the best for them um what's in the dispensaries isn't necessarily the best it's great medicine but what they're using is the trim of the bud they're not right. using the actual bud you know when i would make when i make my own i'll use seven different kinds of indica buds you know so i One's going to have more myrcene. One's going to have more more uh, curiophyllene. One's going to have more linable. You get seven different ones, and you're going to get the best of all of that put together. You know, you're getting a full spectrum. So, you know, that's that's where I'm at. <laughs> is it is it I illegal think, though? If you're isn't Nevada legal, uh, and you can cultivate your mm -hmm. own uh, if you want, or, or no? But home extraction is illegal. Home extraction and, is legal. Illegal. Even if illegal. Even if you use like ethanol extraction, if you have alcohol and making butter is illegal. Really? Yeah. And the reason behind it, I understand the reasoning behind it. It was a it was a kind of give and take because there are more explosions and fires from kids using butane trying For to make sure. in their garage and blowing up the house than there are for meth labs nowadays. Hmm. Yeah. That's true. If you're well, using volatile BHO, you're, you're right. But I was talking, I was thinking like, if you're just using ethanol extraction, under one, one big umbrella home extraction period. Yeah. They're yeah. like, you know, you've got a dispensary across the street. You don't need to make your own cookies. You don't need to make your own chatter. It's available across the street. Yeah. Well, so, yeah, well. Uh, you know, I kind of understand it. But like I said, you know, they're not using the best of the best. So, you know, the better you put in, the better you get out. Right. And the medicines that they're making over there, which I consider to be the most important medicine, RSO, cannabis oil, you know, they're not using the best to make it. 
but it's still a very, very great medicine. I've seen miraculous changes in people, you know, tumors disappear. I've seen, you know, opiate addicts like myself, but hundreds of other ones, because I've been working at Inyo Fine Cannabis Dispensary for, you know, since, since, it's, since it opened, so about five years now. So I've seen so many people come through there and their lives change. And not just them, the people around them. Yeah. I had this one family came in. They had a, I think she was like six, seven-year-old little girl uh, with epilepsy. And they realized RSO made those seizures stop. But what about when she's at school? What about when, you know, she's at school and she feels it coming on? She can't just pull out a syringe and squirt it on her finger and eat it. So we're like, what can we do to help? She can't take a cookie. What if one of the other kids takes it and something, you know, and got high? We're not looking for that. So what I have came up with her is we mixed it with honey. Mixed it with raw local honey. You used to be able to get honey sticks in the dispensaries. I don't know if you still can. I don't have them at my place. But it was literally honey in a, in a little straw. And you just crimp both ends of it. And, you know, burn, crimp, burn, crimp both ends of it. So all she got to do is just bite the end off, suck down the honey stick. She got the medicine and she's good. Two weeks later, mom comes in just crying. It happened yesterday and it worked. Thank you so much. Oh, my God. The kids didn't make fun of her because she had a seizure in class. The teacher didn't look at her weird because she had a seizure in class. It nothing happened. She just sucked down that thing and was fine. Hmm. So it's, it's it, amazing the things I get to see over there. For our audience, what is RSO? Uh, RSO, okay. Uh, also known as FICO, also known as RSO, also known as Rick Simpson oil. It's essentially just the oil of the plant. Um, we use you alcohol, you know, either ethanol, isopropyl. Um, Rick Simpson himself was using naphtha, but we don't, we don't have to do that anymore. There's better stuff to do it with now. But it's basically you extract the oil off the plant. So you're taking out all the plant matter, mm-hmm. all the fats, all the lipids, all the carry, you know, all the chlorophylls, and it's just the oil of the plant. So the concentrated oil of the plant. So whereas, say, you go buy a bud at the dispensary, it's going to be around 20, 20 to 25% THC. Where you just take just the oil off of that plant, it's going to be like 90% THC. <laughs> and you're getting con- concentrated cannabinoids also. So when they say, you know, cannabis cures cancer, not smoking it. It's the oil from it that's feeding the endocannabinoid system, which is feeding the immune system. Right. The immune system is strong and goes after the bad cells and destroys them other than chemo or radiation that's going to target an area and destroy all the good cells and bad cells in that area. Do you prefer Rob or do you prefer Ruckus? Either one. I go by either one. <laughs> when people see you, you're fine. When they see you, they, they say Ruckus, right? A lot of them, yeah. yeah. Some just say Rob, some say Ruckus. Most say Ruckus. <laughs> Where did you grow up and how, how was your childhood? Uh, Vegas, man. Real Vegas. You know, I'm a Vegas kid. I don't know. Shit. Got a tattoo of mom. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I grew up originally from, you know, one to nine years old in Long Beach, California. Moved out here in 1979. So from age of nine years old till I'm 51 now, I've been out here in Vegas. Wonderful place to grow up. Wonderful, amazing place to grow up. It was the Wild West. And, you know, we had a big, huge desert just to go roam around and do whatever we wanted in. Ride bikes, make bombs, (laughs) smoke pot, hook up with girls. You know, <laughs> it, 
Did you say make bombs? Did I hear you say that right? I think you said drop bombs. You know, I mean, it was a big desert. Why not go blow something up and watch it explode? It was fun. And some more than likely worked at a at a uh, construction site. So, I mean, out of the dirt here, it's it's caliche, man. It's clay. It's hard. It's hard as rock. They have it has to be blown out. So there was lots of dynamite and stuff like that laying around construction sites that young 14, 15 year old kids could go pick up. <laughs> Fun with in the desert. And then, you know, we take a generator and 300 kids and a big piece of carpet and a couple halogen lights out in the middle of the desert, too, and have bands play. You know, mm, these 300 kids, your age kids out in the middle of the desert and bands playing from all over the world. That's I awesome. mean, literally everywhere in the world played out there. Corrosion of Conformity played out there. White Zombie played out Rob Zombie played out there. Everybody played out there. It's it's Coachella before Coachella. Exactly. Exactly. It's Burning Man before <laughs> Burning Man. <laughs> yeah, well, they don't have bands of Burning Man. I don't think they, like live bands, they have but maybe, band. maybe you're right. I just wanted to kind of uh, continue with the, the history. I was the reason why I was reminded of you again is I was watching a show on Hulu, I think, called Bad Ink, and I'm like, wait a second, I know this dude. He's hosting, co-hosting this Bad Ink tattoo show. Uh, so, uh, how did that even come about? Uh, me and the guy on the show, Dirk, um, we Dirk. were in a band together. Called the Vermin for twenty shit bands. Yes. Va- Vampire Blues is my favorite Vermin song. Right on, right on. <laughs> that's actually a song that we. It was a really fast song. We slowed it down and I sang it. But thank you. <laughs> um, but we were in a band together for like twenty years. He got a, he got the calls from you know from Sharp Entertainment. You know, hey, we want to do a TV show about you. And I literally just went down there just to go watch because you know my friends get get to do a TV show on the watch. And I was just talking so much shit with them while they were doing the sizzle reel. They're like, uh, he needs to be on this too. You know, because wow. we, we have our, our band, the Vermin wasn't necessarily just a band. It was more like a comedy act. I mean, we would go 20 minutes in between songs, just talking shit, yeah. you know, talking shit, to the audience, talking shit to the club, talking shit about everything. You know I mean? That, that was, that was our fun. We were a comedy act of the band. So, we had a banter that went back and forth seamlessly because, you know, we've been doing it for 20 years. And then, yeah, it got picked up by A&E, which is like the third largest network in the world. So it's in 18 different languages. Um, literally, it's, I mean, hearing myself in Portuguese is hysterical. <laughs> Especially the people that got my voice. I bought you. Uh, for for those of uh, uh, people who don't know the show, can you tell uh, a little bit about yeah. it? What is that show? Yeah, so basically it was uh, me, and, me and this other guy, Dirk, we go up and down Las Vegas Strip or around Las Vegas, kind of spotlighting different, different cool spots in Las Vegas and found people that had bad tattoos. Some, somebody, you know, got a tattoo when they were drunk or something, something stupid. And, you know, or a, a, a boyfriend got a girlfriend name or, you know, something stupid like that. You know, there was lots of bad ink out there. And then we, you know, pull, I pull the story out of them basically, you know, what were you thinking? What were you drinking? Mm-hmm. And then uh, Dirk would do an amazing cover. You know, he's a brilliant tattoo artist. Yeah. Um, we don't 
really hang out anymore, but man's a brilliant tattoo artist. So he covered up some amazing stuff. You guys had a falling out? Um, yeah, just after the show ended, things just kind of, kind of went. I, I'm not sure what happened, but we're, we're not speaking. <laughs> sure. You want to, you want to give him a call? Let's, let's see if we can get you guys together on the show. Some, make yeah. some good ink. Good ink. Yeah. Yeah. Let's get, maybe you guys can get matching tattoos and make up. You have any room yeah, left anywhere? Oh, I still got a little bit of room. <laughs> I still got a guy's door I thought it was great. I, I really liked the show. I, I thought not only the, the tattoo stuff, because there's a lot of uh, cover up shows, there's a lot of like, you know, uh, kind of bad ink without using that same name, but your guys' banter. That was so entertaining. It was so different uh, from the other shows. I really enjoyed that. That was really funny. Funny. It was a lot of. It was a lot of fun. It was absolutely a lot of fun, and it's amazing too because it gave me a platform too. You know, yeah. we we probably would be sitting here talking had I not done that sh- that stupid show. I've been playing music for thirty five years, <laughs> but you know, two years on TV and the whole world knows. You know, <laughs> it's it's, so, it's TV. We'll do it. I said it's a blessing because. I got this huge social media following now. So while I was on the show, when I was on the show, the show was owned by A&E, which is basically owned by Disney. I was under a $4 million morality contract. I wasn't allowed to advocate for cannabis anymore. Mm. I had to stop mm. for two years until that contract ran out. The day that contract ran out, though, I put as much information to the 80,000 people I had on Facebook about Rick Simpson oil, about you know curing cancer with cannabis oil, with you know, what you can do for fibromyalgia, for lupus, for, <laughs> I just put as much information as I can out there. And now I've got people coming to me, writing to me daily from all over the world, you know, about the changes in their life for yeah. the better because of cannabis. Yeah. It's, it's amazing to have, I'll go back to the morality thing. It's, it's so crazy to me that with all the changes of what's going on, but you do have a platform now that you can talk about it. It's great to be able to have that platform. Uh, you're in a bad now. Oh, you're wearing a shirt. What is it called? Souvenirs? 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 Yeah, the souvenirs. Souvenirs, no, the souvenirs. okay. Souvenirs, the souvenirs, like Airs. the Jordan Air. Got it. Yeah, like the Jordan- just want to make sure I'm pronouncing it right. Right. Las Vegas Twitter. And we do, uh, you know, everything from 20s to 60s, old, tiny jazz, old, uh, ragtime you know just a bunch of old fun songs yeah you do you know, standards that. like i love the cab calloway stuff and you do mac knife i think but you don't do you don't do like the ella fitzgerald version you do like the bobby darren type of uh, a version with your own little twist i think it's super cool so vegas appropriate too all kind of rock musicians you know i'm, I'm not a jazz musician believe me the past Two and a half years that we've been doing this, I have been studying my ass off and learning how to do that walk and bass shit. Thank God I played punk rock for 20 years. That, that jazz stuff, it's fast, man. It's hard. It's fast. Yeah. Um, but it's such a treat learning those songs. You know, I mean, it's all stuff I grew up on. I, you know, my mom used to play those songs, you know, when I was a kid. My grandmother used to play those songs when I was a kid. So what's fun about it, you know, is, is, is taking, you know, bringing something old into the new. You know, we're, we're not old jazz musicians. We're old rock musicians playing old jazz songs. So I thought when I was listening to this, I had, an, I had an idea because I was listening to Vermin and I was listening to your hardcore punk stuff. I was saying, what if you take a Vermin song or a hardcore punk song and you jazzify that? You take some of those yeah. and do it in this style. It'd be so interesting, so cool. 
a guy named Richard Cheese and Lounge Against the Machine. He did that. He <laughs> did see, that's Lounge right. Against the Machine. Yep. Yep. That's yeah. true. Richard I love that. that. I, I think it's hey, super, John. super cool idea. I'm sure at some point, though, we'll end up finding, finding one of those old punk rock songs that we'll chat by. <laughs> so so there, there was one song that I, that I was listening to when I was going through your, your catalog. It's called It's Raining. And there's a girl on there. I mean, such a beautiful voice. Oh, my God. Great song. Amazing. So that little girl is the one that I told you about that was born with cancer. Mm. No Um, way. She never never had chemo. She never had radiation. All she had was cannabis oil. She's now 16 years old with that voice. That's the most amazing thing about being able to do this. You know what I mean? I don't know how to say it. I saved this little girl, this little precious, amazing little girl's life. And look what she grew up in. She's this amazing singer, man. I mean, and she's only Super 16. Cool. She's just getting started, man. Yeah, 16, <laughs> right. That's awesome. I can't wait that kid does in the next 10 years. That song really, like, it really connected to me. I was listening to her sing, and it was a really, really great song. And now you have a story behind that? Fabulous. So, um, amazing kid was patient number one really <laughs> so i want to talk to you a little bit more about this because you brought up the morality clause and uh and also you've been in the industry for a long time i want to kind of get your perspective on where we are today versus where we were you know 10 15 years ago it's kind of mind-blowing because i've been in the industry for a long time it's mind-blowing where we are I, we still have a ways to go but we were just mentioning elon musk he gets on snl and he says, I smoked weed. And it's like, wait a second. He's, it's like a normal conversation. You would never think that anybody would have this conversation unless it's like a stupid joke. Oh, you're a stoner kind of thing. But now it's prevalent there. So I want to get your thoughts about this. Um, it, 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 it still amazes me. You know, I, I have a card from the state of Nevada that says it's okay for me to sell weed. That still freaks me out. <laughs> I still want to work I the job that I've had for five years I still kind of look over my shoulder when I leave there you know I mean you know a, a cop drives by I still you know I, I, can't off, I can't turn off you know 50 years of being afraid of the police <laughs> oh yeah and yeah, yeah. and yeah. I've been telling my whole life you know, you know I'll say it you know I guess I was a criminal my whole you know 20s 30s 40s I've sold weed my whole life yeah. You know, so yeah. it, it's amazing now that I get to do it legally. And what what is so amazing now, too, is is getting to see these older people coming in, you know, yeah. getting getting to see yeah. the elderly come in and get the relief and, and get that relief and see that relief on their face when they come back. Like, oh, my God, man, my hip has been hurting for the past seven years, but now I can walk again because of you. You know, and it was not because of me, but because of, you know, what the products that are available to them. You know, it's just, it, it's mind-blowing. It, it's mind-blowing. It's, it's amazing. Um, again, there is still a long way to go. Um, it's, it's a, you know, especially at, here in Nevada, there's still nowhere legally for tourists to go smoke. There's no smoking lounges or anything like that. So there's still, you know, right. people can still get busted for walking down the street smoking a joint because they have nowhere else they can go do it. But, you know, the fact that they can go to a dispensary or that the fact that they can sit in their living room, go on their phone, order weed 
to the door, you know, <laughs> is an amazing thing. Is an amazing thing, man. you know, especially from what it used to be. <laughs> oh yeah, where you'd have to sure. cry and hope he showed up sometime in the next three days, <laughs> you know, and it wasn't garbage that he showed up with. <laughs> Stems and seeds. Yep. Dick Seedman. Is 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 your passion more music acting? Uh, like, where do you see yourself sort of in the next, uh, you know, five to 10 years? Years. Um, I, I like entertaining. I don't care what it is, you know. Uh, you know, what, whether it be acting, whether it be playing music. I mean, I'm not going to stop playing music. Right. Even during the, you know, Bad Ink, I was still, you know, playing in three different bands at the time. <laughs> Is, um, is bass and guitar more of uh, your instrument? Like, what do you what do you play? Like, you, what do you play? Yeah, I'm a bass player. Yeah, I've been playing the bass for 20. I mean, I, I do play guitar. Like, I, I if I'm sitting around at home, I'm playing guitar. But right. if I'm with a band, I'm playing bass. You ready for your uh, three questions? Hit me. All right. <laughs> All right, give it up. So, please I, describe your first experience with cannabis. First experience. <laughs> I would have to say. I, don't actually remember, but I can guarantee I know where it came from. It came from dad's sock drawer. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I grew up, you know, I grew up from, from coming from Long Beach out to here. You know I mean? Half my family's Mexican. The other side's white. The white side was all a bunch of hippies. So there was always weed around as, you know, growing up. You know, I, it was something that was just always around. Um, so I can guarantee, I'm not sure. Oh, I can tell you the first time I smoked. Um, first time I smoked, I, I, as a kid, I had asthma. Um, I was an asthmatic as, as a kid. Uh, mm-hmm. Instead of going to the hospital, my dad would take a hit off the sativa joint, <sighs> blow up my lungs. I'd cough for a minute or two. Na- cannabis being a natural uh, bronchial expectorant yeah. helps that stuff and, and opens up the bronchi, you know. So instead of going to the hospital, he would take a joint and blow a couple hits in my in my in my lungs. So yeah, actually, I started when I was four. <laughs> Beautiful, I love it. <laughs> we, we don't advocate uh, kids uh, consuming cannabis, but you know, you make your own decisions. I'm not like that. I don't, you know, I wouldn't advocate doing that nowadays. But right. um, the real do you know if it is a kid like like you know the one I was talking about earlier? Yeah, uh, little Ruby. If if she hadn't used that oil, and that was a thing. Uh, thankfully, uh, George Knapp, the news guy out here, helped us out with. He found out about what we did with that little girl. Yeah, he found out that we cured yeah. her cancer while I was doing bad ink, and I couldn't advocate. Um, he found out he got a hold of me. He's like, "Look, it's okay. I know you cured this little girl. Let's take this to the people and let them know." I'm like I can't, George. I'm, you know, I'm under this contract. He goes, I'll blur your face. We'll change your voice. We'll cover your tattoos. Nobody will ever know it's you. So we did this thing. I showed him how to make it. I made the oil right in front of him. We showed the we showed the little girl's tumor shrink and disappear. Um, you know, through the through the scans. And four days later, they made it where children could get cards, could get medical marijuana cards in the state of Nevada. Um, because had Ruby gone to the hospital for something and they blood tested her, she drank something under the sink or something like that. And they would have blood tested her. Mom would have been in jail for having cannabis inside of her, her system. They would have sent the child to CPS, which would have more than likely 
forced her to do chemo and radiation and killed her. Yeah. Good point. <laughs> good point. Yeah. I hope that. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's definitely a good point. All right. So we're, we're both, John and I are both music guys. You're obviously a musician, music guy. So is there a album or a song? Like what's your go-to when you, when you want to kind of listen to the thing that you want to listen to, you know, smoke a little bit. And what's your go-to that you like to listen to? Joe Strummer and the Mescaleros. Uh, Joe Strummer was a singer or guitar player for the Flash. Yeah, of course. Of course. In his, uh, in his later years, he was with a band called the Mescaleros. Um, amazing kind of world music. Um, there was music of all genres all put together and Joe's amazing, passionate voice and yeah. lyrics on top of it. Yeah. So, yeah, Joe Strummer and the Mescaleros, The Damned and Love. Those are, those are going to be the top three that I'll always go for. <laughs> I love it, man. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah, we. I don't think we had uh, a Joe Strummer mentioned, except for yes, we, we did. Didn't, uh, died the, too early. Died too. Yeah. Died yeah, too young. Gone, we did a list. On gone people. too soon. Yeah, we did a list of, uh, yeah. of artists that were gone too soon, and Strummer was on that list for sure. Yeah, I'm sure. What has cannabis meant in your life? Man, it's it, it's everything. It's meant everything, you know. Especially the past, you know, ten years that I've really, really, you know, dove headfirst into making oil for people and the activism and writing for the magazines and working in the dispensaries and you know, just like immersing myself in it. It, it means it's everything, um, you know. Jack Hare, you know, uh, the cantankerous bastard that he was, got it right. You know, hemp is the one, you know, one thing that can save this world. Yeah. Um, it between growing it out in the field, cleaning out, the, cleaning the soil, you know, be, between, you know, cleaning the air with it, between making you know better energy, cleaner energy from it, um, the medicine that could be made from it, you know, just the fact you can smoke a joint and relax, yeah. you know, after a stressful day, you know, or something bad happened to you, or even if something bad didn't happen to you, just, you know, a couple puffs and a relax. Everybody deserves that, and everybody deserves that. Yeah, yeah. And so, agreed. Everything to me, you know. And every, I thank you guys for giving me this chance to do this because I love giving this knowledge as often as possible, so we can get rid of that stigma that's been behind this for so many years. That this is, you know, the devil's weed, and we're going to go rape the white women and listen to jazz music now. <laughs> Oh, good. Those days need to be over. You know, we know better now. A hundred percent. To me, it means everything. This is uh, your final question, if you can recall. Please describe what your room looked like growing up. What my room? Oh, shit, man. Shit, same as my house does now. Is it that? Is it the same room (laughs) when you were a kid? It's green with me for 30 years <laughs> there you go no um, actually you know growing up my dad was a, a drag racer uh he raced nhra dragsters uh, oh, cool back back so we had a dragster in my backyard called the super squirrel that von dutch painted you know Shirley downey and big daddy don garlitz would come by the house sometimes you know i mean so i had uh like robert williams posters of you know the lead sled uh uh, you know the artist I'm talking about, Robert Williams. He was an old, one of the first uh, lowbrow, you know, art, like 
I don't even I don't even know how to say it. Almost cartoonish. Yeah, I know what you're talking but, about. Mm-hmm. Realistic, and you know, little monsters yep. in here and there. So yeah, my room was covered yeah. covered with Robert Williams posters and rock, you know, rock band posters, of course, like it still is. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you remember the bands? Some of the some of the bands that you had posters. Yeah, of? Black Sabbath, and Kiss, and, you know, Elvis was always a big one for me as, as a really small kid. Like I remember the day he died, man. You know, I mean. <laughs> Mom came over next door and me and Paul were listening to some records and she's like, you know, Elvis died. We just got there crying. So, oh yeah. <laughs> Big music band through my entire life. Man. Yep. That's too. Yep. Where can people find out more about you or contact you and social or where, where do you want them to go to? Them to go to the world to find. Just put Rob Luckett in Google. <laughs> but I'm on the, I'm on the Facebook I'm on the Instagrams, you know, I'm not, I'm not hard to find. The band Souvenirs is uh, on both of those also. So if you want to see any of the new videos we've been doing, we've been, since the whole pandemic thing, you know, since we haven't really been able to play gigs, we practiced for an entire year to get ready to bring this band to people. You know, I mean, we had four hours worth of music, you know, so we were ready, we were ready to go to go do the conventions and go do, you know, play some hotels and casinos and shit. We're going to, you know, we were planning on making some money. Yep. <laughs> we had a four, four, four hour set, you know, jazz standards and stuff ready to go. And we played our first gig at Golden Tiki. And then the next day everything shut down. Mm-hmm. So since then, uh, we've just been making videos, you know, uh, as you know, me and the drummer both lived together. Pab- uh, Pablo and Mike both basically lived by themselves. So we were all, basically separated and you know if you go go through scroll through them the first few on there are literally iphone videos where paul's mother his 82 year old mother would sit there and film him playing (laughs) the song and then he'd send it to me i'd play it on one phone so i could hear it while filming it on another phone and i'd film my part and then i'd do the same thing with the drummer the same thing with the guitar player would send it to mike powers and he'd put it all together audio and video I love what you guys are doing. I love what you guys are doing. So is there a website where they can go and when you have gigs coming up where they can go see you? Uh, No, not an actual website. Just, you know, go on, uh, just go on the, if you go onto the Facebook, just look up uh, the souvenirs. Souvenirs. Or like I said, look me up and, you know, I always, the same stuff that's going on there is going on my page too. Got it. Well, brother, listen, I can't wait to see you in person. I always appreciate seeing you. Thank you for everything you're doing. Love the contribution. Can't wait to hear your music and see you in Vegas. Next time I come out uh, and get my next tattoo, uh, DJ Tambi is my tattoo artist who's in Vegas. And I'll go out and get my next, this arm is waiting. So I'll come out and see you in the next few months. Please do, man. Please do. Things are opening up again out here, man. So hopefully we can get back to having these uh, cannabis conferences and bringing this information back to the people. For sure. Thanks, brother. Appreciate it. Thank, Thank you. you. Man, appreciate Good to meet you, Rob. Thank you, guys, man. Have a great day. All right. Okay. Peace. Bye.
we were his first Zoom ever. That's one of my favorite things. Yeah, it's, the, it's to watch moment. the awkward moment where we're like, okay, you can leave. It's funny because I, I can't believe he's like, I've never done Zoom before. So I don't, am I doing this right? I'm like, wow, how can, that's amazing. Go a year through the pandemic and never have been I know. in a Zoom. I mean, that's just, I mean, I'm on Zoom all day long. This is all I'm doing all day. But anyway, he's got a quite a more interesting life than me. I want to talk to you about an article that was written by Robert Hoban. Who's the law group? The attorney, yeah, yeah, the Hoban Law is a, an attorney. Uh, he wrote an article for Forbes called Ignorance Still Plagues the Field of Cannabis Medicine. Hmm. So I read this article. I thought it was really, really good, but it's not what I thought. So he had Dr. Uma. I don't know if you know Dr. Uma. Uh, I'm going to butcher Thurman? her last name. <laughs> That's all I had to say. Yes, Dr. Uma Thurman. I didn't know she was she got, she was in cannabis she got, now. Yeah. Yeah, she got a doctorate uh during Kill Bill when she yeah. was in the but Dr. Uma Danabalan, okay. I think that's how you pronounce her uh, her name. She's a great uh healthcare professional, MD, worked a lot in the cannabis space. Uh she does a lot for athletes for care, mm-hmm. all this other stuff. But uh so it was an article about this whole stigma thing. But the angle that she was taking is basically because she's a healthcare professional and she's saying that, and he was saying that people still mis- misunderstand the endocannabinoid system. They misunderstand uh, the cannabis uh, causes negative impact in the world. That's basically the statement that the medical community is coming out and saying, you know, she was saying, no, and here's some evidence and proof. The stigma is that she got a letter from her insurance company a notice saying that they will not renew her insurance. Mm, that's crazy. Yeah. So it's this new stigma. This is the interesting part because I went through the same thing, not being a doctor, but we were, I got contacted by an insurance company. They were saying, oh, you know, you're paying too much for your, your insurance, which we are. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have DNO insurance. We have so many different policies right. and we're not even in the cannabis space. And we don't touch the this plant. This is your company, uh, Endocana. Yeah. Yeah, Endocana Health with corporate policies for everything. And we have shareholders. We have to have director's insurance, director and officer insurance, all the web insurance, you name it. Mm-hmm. There is like, we pay so much for insurance. And we didn't realize that it was it was difficult to find. We didn't realize that it was more expensive than regular insurance. Mm-hmm. Like if you were an accounting firm and you have to get DNO insurance, they'll pay much less than our insurance. I never thought about it because we pay more for credit card processing and everything else. So this guy reached out and he was like, Oh, I can get you, you know, cheaper policies. I was like, great. So he went out and then it took him a couple months and I came back and he's like, "Uh, no, sorry. You, you may want to keep your policies. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, uh, the companies, insurance companies, they won't insure you. Hmm. So this is the new way of getting the stigma and, and getting control of the industry is these other industries, not just banking. We're right. familiar with banking. We know the banking. We're talking about, you know. Yeah, the- I just got off the phone with uh, somebody from another cannabis law firm, Gardner, uh, Garden Spoon and Garden, anyway. Lauder, Estee Lauder. <laughs> Garden water fertilizer, that one. <laughs> no, a big, big cannabis firm and in Colorado. And yeah, we just talked about the Safe Banking Act and how important that is. But I didn't realize the insurance companies need right. to be schools. I mean, for the banks, you sort of understand why they don't want to take. I mean, you don't really understand it, but it, like it makes sense because it's a cash business. They don't like really like working with cash because they can't track it. 
But with insurance companies, like what is it about uh, health insurance companies and just in generally insurance companies that would make them not be interested in the cannabis industry? I mean, it's just more money for them. I don't get it. Yeah, well, it's more money for the banks too. But okay, the banks, and you can talk about it because you just spoke to somebody. But like, if it's federally illegal, yeah, right. they can get uh, fined and yeah. FDIC, you can't, you know, they have FDIC federal insurance for the bank. Right. So if you're not able to federally insure that money, then, you know, the bank has a liability mm-hmm. uh, on their books. Kind of understand insurance. So different types of insurance. So if it's a healthcare professional like Dr. Uma, uh, who treats patients with cannabis, is she exposing herself? Because insurances, insurance companies are all, Actual scientists, right? Mm-hmm. So basically, you put in. It's all about uh, data. You put in, you know, here's here's the age and all this stuff, and they spit out. Okay, this is within our risk tolerance. This outside our risk tolerance. So a physician who's operating in a legal state, who's recommending cannabis as an alternative, is more of a risk of liability than a, a doctor who prescribes opioids and. You know, how many people die of opioids a year versus how many people die of cannabis a year? It makes no logical sense where they would think there is more liability, but maybe because it's a scheduled substance that, and they're prescribing it. And they're not really even prescribing because you can only make a recommendation. You can't prescribe anything that's a Schedule One because the idea of a Schedule One is that it doesn't have any medicinal purpose. That's the whole point. It's schedule one. Right. That there's no medical benefits to this. So you're prescribing something or recommending something that in turn says no medical benefits, even though the federal government is sponsoring all kinds of studies, grows their own cannabis, has a patent on cannabis uh, for as in your protectant, et cetera. And then, and then insurance companies come back and say they're not going to renew a doctor's insurance who's actually helping people with a plant medicine, natural plant medicine. So it just makes no sense. And it's dumbfounded. And that was what the article is about? That is ridiculous. That's what the article is about. Yeah, the article talks about the ignorance that plagues the field of cannabis medicine. And it starts on, you know, the endocannabinoid system and negative impact on the world. What Where physicians still think uh, they don't know about the endocannabinoid system. They don't believe in it. There's no clinical trials. There's no face. All the bullshit that we heard for years and years and years. Okay, great. But then the insurance companies are coming on. So not only are they going to hit you with rhetoric of, uh, you know, this this causes harm. And I mean, that's the main reason why we started Endocana Health to begin with. When we spoke with the FDA, the FDA loves the fact that harm reduction is the number one reason why we're doing what we're doing. And if you're going through healthcare professionals and you're working with doctors, you know, their Hippocratic oath is harm reduction. What they're going to do is do everything they can to help reduce the harm that an individual will, uh, will endure. So it doesn't make any sense. They speak out of both ends of their mouth and it's rhetoric that has no common reasoning behind it. So it's extremely frustrating. I, I'd love to get Dr. Uma on. I'm actually going to contact her. I want her to talk about this yeah. because I never knew about this before. And doctors never really thought about it. I've spoken to many doctors and they, you know, they're prescribing. They, they understand the risks, but they're protected under their license to make a recommendation for something they feel comfortable with. But now they're trying to smack them through insurance to get them in line. 
It's ridiculous. So I follow the money trail. Follow the money. Somebody, somebody's getting paid by doing this. I don't know what is going on, but that is no. That's a good story, man. We got to get Uma, Uma yeah, Thurman I, too. I think if we could get Uma Thurman and Doctor Uma, remember <laughs> that uh, David Letterman at the Oscars, Uma Oprah, Oprah Uma. <laughs> remember that? Yeah, <laughs> you want to make that introduction? <laughs> I, I'm. Uh, I think let's. Uh, can you? You know anybody knows Uma Thurman? Uh, I'll get Uma. I'll get Doctor. I know her father. You know her father is really big in meditation and Buddhism. And oh. I don't know him, but I've seen his name and he's written some books and uh, he's probably easy to get to. So you get to, you get to the dad, you kind of warm up the dad and then you and then you drop the bomb. You're like, by the way, you can give me an Uma interview. With Uma. <laughs> now, I haven't well, I, seen Uma Thurman in a movie in about 10 or 15 years. So I don't even know if she acts anymore. Does she? I think she's I think she's been in something. I, I don't know. But uh, we can we can IMDb. We'll her. find it out. Yeah. Do the L.A. thing. I'll just IMDb her. That's yeah. That works. Just um, IMDb her. Is he is he a TM guy? Her her dad? Um, He is. No, he's more of a Buddhist guy. He he leads. Robert Thurman is a. So it wouldn't it wouldn't help if I say I was a part of the David Lynch Foundation. And no, were you? I didn't even know that about you. <laughs> Should we? <laughs> he's part of the jaw. He's part of the Je Zongkahapa, a professor of Indo-Tibetan Buddhist <laughs> studies at Columbia University. My old job. So, oh, all right. Yeah, we have similar jobs. <laughs> and, he, and he has a kid named Uma, another kid named Ganden, and a kid named Deccan, and Taya. And Gandalf. Yeah. No, and, Gandalf? Yeah, and Bob. There's Bob Thurman, <laughs> which is There's weird. always a Bob. There's always a Bob. He's got Uma, Taya, Ganden, and Bob. God. Anyway, he's a... Uh, so we'll get to Robert. Anybody knows Robert, we'll get to him and then we'll get to Ooms. Ooms. Yeah. All right. Before we get into Elon, uh, and I want to talk about that, uh, I've gotten feedback from our podcast that people want us to talk a little more about ADD. Okay. So Wait, what? So this is... <laughs> Sorry, I was just... Squirrel. <laughs> Squirrel, right. So, uh, two, two guys no, with because... ADD talking about it with each other is a little dis- scary. <laughs> No, because because uh, you know that's that's part of the what the show is about, and we sort of uh, yeah we work think hard. That we work through things. Ju- just being ADD person, I thought it was enough, but they want us to cover it a little bit more. So I thought maybe what I'll do is I'll profile a person with ADD. So I was doing research, and it's such an irony that Elon Musk hosted uh, Saturday Night Live mm-hmm. because that was not my research. I was researching other people. But my profile is Michael Phelps, but yeah. I'll tell you how this segue of Elon Musk. So Michael Phelps was diagnosed uh, with ADD at age nine, and they tried to put him all kinds of drugs, and his mom got him into swimming. And she just said, swim. And what happened was he developed concentration and discipline through swimming. And because, once again, for, for the audience that didn't hear this before, what happens with people with ADD, we, we all have a form of ADD, right. especially in this world. You have uh, environmental ADD. Everybody's trying to get your attention. That's why ads have to hit you seven, eight, nine times for it to really sink in. But really, uh, people that have di- been diagnosed, uh, the, the idea is that you have a depletion of dopamine. You're always looking for the next squirt of dopamine. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you can hyper-focus when you're getting that. So it's sort of like feeding the teat of dopamine. The video games do that too. They'll create certain video games to continually excrete dopamine because right. uh, you have 
when dopamine is excreted, it's uh, there's a reuptake process. Got it goes back in, excretes, and reuptakes. So when you take like uh, SSRIs, they they inhibit the reuptake of serotonin, which is your like love and feel good molecule. And this is the same thing of dopamine. So if you have a depletion of dopamine, you're always looking for that new dopamine. I guess Michael Phelps was getting it from swimming. Mm-hmm. And when he took swimming away, yeah, yeah, he got that swimming, and we, uh, when when he stopped swimming, he had to smoke weed, I think, to to get it back, and that's when he started losing his endorsements and and all that stuff. But the funny thing is, going back to the weed thing, the guy won twenty two Olympic gold medals, more than any freaking athlete ever in the history of Olympics, and the guy is at a party with a bong or something like that, and they started like pointing, out, oh, look at him, he's a stoner right. and all. What happened to the 22 medals that he won that, that went away? Yeah. Are they up in smoke? No. I mean, it's kind of crazy. And then you get Elon Musk, who is a billionaire, and yeah. he smokes on the Joe Rogan show. And some yeah. some investors are threatened about taking their money out of the company. And yeah. I mean, but you the know, stock what? went down. Yeah, all the stock went like, down for like what? a minute. I mean, honestly, yeah. it didn't. In fact, he referenced it in his monologue. So it's obviously something that he's kind of proud of and wears his little bit of badge of honor yeah he talked about his his tweet of 69 days is 420 in his monologue right right <laughs> i thought it was funny yeah that was funny well what did we think about all right well we're talking about ADD, and then we'll go on to Musk. no no no. let's let's go let's so anyway the, the segue to elon musk is because I, i'm doing research and there was a a thing about elon musk having add and then it talked about asperger's mm-hmm. and this is before this is before I saw him on uh, SNL. I didn't realize that he went on SNL and admitted it because right. I was doing research. And then, yeah, so it anyway, popped that's, up. that's Well, that was interesting that he admitted it. I had no idea that he had Asperger's. Asperger's is a form of autism, right? It's not, it doesn't really have yeah. anything to do with ADD. It's a different, just a different disorder. Completely. It's a yeah. spectrum. So, a so spectrum they say thing. that autism is a whole bunch of spectrum. Uh, so it's a neurodevelopmental disorder. Mm-hmm. Right. So everybody has a spectrum of this and ADD could be part of that. I, I don't know. They haven't really made the correlation, but it's also neurodevelopmental uh, factors involved. Right. So, you know, ADD, Richard Branson has ADD. There's always a combination of the two. So Richard Branson was talking about ADD and uh, he's dyslexic. Mm. So he was at ADD with dyslexia. So a lot of people have combinations right. of ADD with something else. So I thought he has ADD and Asperger's. I've worked for a few people of Asperger's. At mm-hmm. least they told me they had Asperger's. And I just know anecdotally what kind of what some of the symptoms are or like what mm-hmm. some of the manifestations of it are when you're talking to somebody that has Asperger's. But I'm curious about your understanding of what Asperger's is. I had somebody that worked for me at a very, very, very high level who was very socially awkward, yeah. I would say. Right. And uh, in a private conversation they admitted they had Asperger's. Right. So I, I, I believe my understanding of this is uh, communication, mm-hmm. uh, verbal and nonverbal. Also, there's mm-hmm. a lot of repetition and extreme preparation where it's like uh, uh, with blinders, like when you're doing it, it's, it's, this is super, super concentrated. It's like the opposite. It, 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 we had a lot of, uh, negative interactions because I am like all over the place. Yeah, and this hard. person is hyper, hyper, hyper focused. Uh, and I think that's probably Elon really probably studied a lot with for his uh, 
performance because he was he was actually really good. I thought in a lot of uh, the stuff that he did. As my as my son said, he he was cringe, but no, but <laughs> he, I, was cr- he was he cringe. was cringing his. I thought his monologue was good. He was cringing uh, in some of the things. But yeah. Some of the things. I mean, he's, look, yes. he's, I mean, he's not an actor. I thought it was brave for him to go on. I mean, I guess he had nothing to lose. I'll tell you something about Elon Musk. He's like headline gold. You know, we work at, I work at Entrepreneur, and literally if we put Elon Musk in any form of a story, it'll be like the number one story of that day. Like there's just something, people are fascinated with Elon Musk, and whether you love yeah. him or hate him, he's very... I guess polarizing, but also people have a real fascination. He's sort of like a modern day Steve Jobs. He's just, he's just uh, everybody's interested in him and what he's, and you know, with good reason. Interesting side story. My wife worked for Elon Musk. Uh, I don't know if I ever told you this. She was his personal chef, and one day they were up in his estate in Bel Air, and he and he pulled up in a, in a car and he said, "Diane, I just bought a company." And then she said, really? And he said, yeah, I want to come come out. I want to show you what I bought. And he, she went out and he's like, this is called the Tesla. It's like, I just went, I love these cars so much that I bought the company. And she's like, yeah. oh, silly Elon. And uh, <laughs> had she just invested then? Yes. Um, yeah, that was when he was a different Elon because he was married and he had he had triplets twice. He First time they had triplets and they tried to have kids again and they had triplets again. So they had two triplets, yeah. um, two sets of triplets. But um yeah, so he's, uh, but he's, she said she didn't remember him being, you know, without getting too personal, but she didn't remember him being quite like Asperger's in the way that he was showing it on the show. But I think he was also very nervous. So it probably was more like prevalent when you're really nervous like that. And he's really like focused in. Oh, he was super nervous. Yeah. yeah. And he, and there's, so I dated Elon's, uh, one of his, one of his nannies because mm-hmm. he had multiple nannies for the kids. And she used to say, I have no evidence of this whatsoever. So Elon, if you're listening, which would be wonderful if you are, but just in case somebody shares this with you, uh, the way that she described it to me is that he had these uh, sound of music type of things where uh, he would have, there would be like a, a party or something else and he would get the kids to come down and, uh, and perform and then he would shoo them away. So that's, that's uh, all I know. There was a, not a lot of interaction with the with the kids. Uh, it was all through nanny. So right. So what what did you think of his uh, performance? Um, I didn't think it was that great. I, I was impressed that he did it. I mean, not even I don't even impress is the word. I was you know I thought well you know he does have these kind of social interaction issues, so it was kind of cool that he was able to kind of go on there and make a point of it. I like Elon Musk. I actually I know that he gets a lot of hate. I like the guy. I'm, I'm I admire what he's done. Um, he, he makes some stupid decisions, but now it kind of makes sense. Like the way he acts on Twitter and, um, he kind of, but now that we know a little bit more about his, his mental state, we realize that he doesn't always have this, he doesn't the social cues that he gets that we, people who don't have Asperger's, um, understand he doesn't always pick up, right? That's a lot of things with autism. They don't pick up social cues. They don't act like react in ways that we're used to, but I actually, I thought it was good. The best bit was was the thing that they did about Wario. That was funny instead of Mario, the Wario character. And he did a good oh, job on that. I loved murder. Durder. Yeah. Well, Let's that was funny. I, mean, that. I didn't really think that that, of course you're going to like that because that's all like about <laughs> Philly. I mean, I can't believe you don't watch that show. I was like, that show is so good. This we're talking about for our listeners at home. We're talking about mayor of East town, which is this great, unbelievable virtuoso performance by Kate Winslet. And it takes place in your freaking hood. I mean, kind of. I north, will. I will watch it. Northern. Here's the reason. 
Here's the reason why I didn't watch it. First of all, I'm watching really stupid TV right now, as I shared with you. Yes. Uh, something funny because I I'm I'm in the middle of uh, uh, we're doing a a Series B raise for okay, a company. Okay, so you're, you're stressed. So I am. I am so hyper focused. Plus, I'm leaving on vacation, so I've been uh, for the right. first and, time. Right, and, and warning: it's not light watching. It's it that was funny that skit, but the show itself is actually pretty heavy, and it, it involves the murder of, you know, a girl that's like around your daughter's age. So it's pretty exactly it's pretty intense. That's why yeah. That's why I didn't. I wasn't ready right. for it when when I saw the previews, and I was like, oh, the bike in the water, and the yeah, the definitely girl. I, I was just like, yeah, that part. Know, I, I don't like that to. part. But I mean, whatever, who likes that? But it's a great murder mystery. I'd love to talk to you about who we think did it. I think I already know and we're four episodes. I will watch it. I will watch it. I promise I'll watch it and we'll go. Murder Dirter. But it is funny. They totally, I hadn't even noticed that. I guess, I guess everybody was so impressed that Kate Winslet caught water, right? That she said water. How do you say water? Water. 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 They were so impressed that she got water, right? That they were like, just give her an Emmy. I mean, that's it. She's, she's <laughs> so good. Philly, Philly, Philly's so interesting because the accent. Like, I, I still have a Philly accent here, but I kind of I don't have it the same as I as I did when I lived in Philly. I think it's less, or maybe not. But uh, the way that people talk, there's a whole lexicon, a whole like uh, uh, dictionary of Philly speak. So you can say, you know, first of all, it's the ordering process mm-hmm. when you go. Get a, a cheesesteak, whiz, with, whiz, without, you know. Yeah, whiz, with. Whiz, whiz is just an odd thing to whiz. put on anything because it's just, you know, it's they not just, really. Is it cheese whiz? That's what they're talking about? Cheese whiz, yeah. But whiz, it's whiz, with, wit, wit, and whiz, without. Yeah. Whiz, with. Okay, you're trying to teach me Philly? I'll teach you New York. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I know, and I know close. New York. Philly and, New York. and it's not weird that, like, they're so close to each other. They're only like two hours from each other, Philly and New York. And yet, like, they totally like weird different accents. Oh yeah, chocolate in New York and yeah. chocolate, chocolate in Philly. Yeah, like chocolate. what is that? And and I guess I mean because back <laughs> in the day there was a big difference between New York and Philadelphia. That was yeah. like a a huge horse ride away. <laughs> that was a days. <laughs> that was a days trip. And there was different yeah. English people arriving in different places. I guess I don't know. Who knows? I love accents. Is fascinating to me. But well, um, it's it's how they learn, right? So you had you had the Quakers and you had the original like uh, Billy Penn and all William Penn stuff, and right. that's who settled in Pennsylvania, right? The Dutch, uh, Pennsylvania, maybe Dutch. it was a Dutch, yeah, yeah. So they had a different uh, dialogue than New York was more of the British settlers that right. settled from, uh, and then from you England, get the so. Italians that come in, and you get the Irish, the Irish. Everybody's got a different <laughs> way of they they talk. <laughs> Yeah, but Philly, a couple other things like Philly. So one of the things like, uh, all right, uh, they'll say, G, no, Jew. I'm like, who are you calling a Jew? But it's, did you eat? No, oh, did you? No, Jew. Jew? <laughs> no, Jew? No, Jew? There's in Annie Hall, back when we liked, there is that part where he's like, I distinctly heard him say, Jew, the Jew. And he said, no, no, he said, Jew, Jew eat. <laughs> it must have been a Philly guy that he was talking about. Exactly, it was Jew a Philly eat. guy. G- Very paranoid Jew. about that. He said, "Jew <laughs> eat." Um, that's funny. Well, yeah, we're going to talk about that show. It I is... promise to watch it. Maybe yeah, yeah, yeah my, but I don't want you to get depressed. I mean, I told my mother to watch, it and she's like, "Why did you make me watch that?" So I couldn't sleep all night. <laughs> I was like, "Sorry, mom." I, I'm not going to get depressed. I'll be, I'll be okay. fine. Yeah, I'll be fine. <laughs> Wanted to uh, start. I know we're kind of wrapping up, and I have a. Have you heard? But I wanted to start something that uh, we can do when I get back. Maybe you'll pick a page and I'll randomly go to a page in my book. And we'll talk about 
something that's in my book. Okay. Uh, well, first I got to get your book. I'm on the waiting list. And yeah. I think because I know you, you think because a guy knows a guy that knows a guy, I could get a copy of this damn book. I, I'm going to send you, I'm going to send I'll you. So right now I have the advanced reader copy of the book. Wow. So I can get you the, it's got this advanced ARC mark. Yeah. So I'll get you one of those. Okay. Uh, if you I'm want, excited to read not- it. We're going to talk. I mean, it's nice that we can pick a book and I could just be like, you know, boom, and just put my finger on it. But I also kind of want to talk to you a little bit about okay. what, why you wrote the book. Well, you know, I, I got questions for you. And I'm putting you on my uh, podcast on Agreed Entrepreneur. So you, you're not getting away that easy. But we, but for okay. your own podcast, and I know you're very modest about bragging about this book and stuff, but I think people are interested, Len. I think I need to do a better job of utilizing I – I don't like to use this platform to, to – Publicize really yourself. Myself or a business or anything like you know that. But... Okay. You're not really. You're talking about yourself. That the book is about you. It's not weird. It's not. Doesn't feel like an infomercial. Believe me, as your friend and uh, business, whatever I am, you're a client. <laughs> I will advise you. This is not weird. Like this doesn't feel heavy handed. But anyway, let the listeners decide. <laughs> okay, let the listeners decide. <laughs> yeah. But I will. So before I leave, I will drop a copy of the advanced reader copy of making cannabis personal. Thank you. I'll drop it in the mail. I can't wait. You. I will read it. And I know I didn't read it when it was in first draft because I'm a bastard, but I will read it now that it's in a hardcover book. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Much better. Much and it's easier. got a, it's got a picture in the back. So that's good. And it's got, it's got plenty of pictures in the middle of the book too. So it's not a lot of pages. So it'll probably take you a couple hours. That's it. Okay. I'm excited. been uh, lately into jazz and i know we don't we haven't done a jazz show which i intend to do but i'm gonna have to play and the reason why i'm playing this uh for you is because this new form of jazz it's drummer led which we don't get a lot of anymore it used to be a lot of jazz even even funk if you uh like stubble field type of drumming and it leads to everything else so this this guy, I'm gonna play it for you. Can we play it a little longer? And then uh, you know, if we get flagged, we'll get flagged. But I want you to listen to the buildup. All right, let's play it a right, little longer. So- there it goes.
like it. It goes, this is uh, Moses Boyd. It's his tiny desk. This song specifically is called Stranger Than Fiction. He's a British uh, jazz drummer. I think he's an incredible jazz yeah. drummer. And, and the band is so tight. But this song, like, it goes on for like eight minutes. So I only played like three minutes of it. Or You're right. Or the, beats, the beat is, uh, it's almost like a, it, a jungle beat. Cool. That's what I'm saying. That that's exactly it. Like it's it's such a like a jungle beat, and and, and the way he plays the drums and the way he uh, puts it all together, it's super super cool. So he's a young guy. He's a, a British, born in '91. He's been on a bunch of different uh, people's albums, but he's got a, a couple of his own. So I highly recommend for anybody that's into like fusion jazz or whatever you call it. Uh, electronic jazz super 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 cool music and great musicians and if you watch a tiny desk there is so much back and forth uh between the uh, the players super super cool to watch so highly i love it now my son failed me because he was supposed to email me the thing that he played me this morning on the way to getting his covid test and i was like i gotta play this for len today mm-hmm. and i'm just so upset right now at him and i just feel like if you have a kid this is what you have to look forward to. They're just disappointing in so many ways. By the way, you know, I, I'm reading. I'm reading uh, with one eye uh, Wikipedia on uh, Moses Boyd. Yeah, and it says when it describes his musical style, he's uh, known for blending musical genres. Jazz creates various new subgenres. Uh, he has been uh, performing in, the, in new jazz fusion and incorporating elements of grime. Oh, grime is a thing mm-hmm. now. Yeah, grime. Yeah. I like grime. Grime, grime is grime. a cool name. Last week I had said, uh, there's this thing my, my daughter's listening to now that I think that I kind of like secretly. And now I've decided, uh, you probably know her, but I'm going to play it anyway. Here we go. You like Mitski? I think my daughter played this for me before once. You're not. I, you're not sure. I'm not I sure. I like it because it's, it's '80s. I like it's kind of cool '80s. I sound. know. I know. I know. I have. I have a love hate with the '80s. Maybe that's I, it. Uh, so it reminded me of '80. Uh, I can. I can see and I can feel it. And I see that '80s is really coming back now. It's so coming In, back, like the way the weekend and and yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, uh, I like I, that. I just thought it would. That song would be a big hit if it was 1986. <laughs> it may be it may be a big hit now because it seems to be coming back. I'm going completely different. I know right you now. are. I've got something to play you when my damn son gets back to me. <laughs> I've got something to play you next week that it's going to blow. All right, your I'm going to play mind. you. I'm going to play you a new grime song that okay. it, like uh, Sasha, my, my daughter, and I were just nonstop singing. Okay, so I'm good. excited. We next so week's going to be a, 
much better have you heard. I mean, this was a good one, but that one, I feel like I failed you. I've got a better one. Um, Moses Boyd, man, I'm telling you, check out his catalog. We, we, you and I have to do a jazz show. I know you're not a big jazz guy. Uh, I like jazz. I don't. Do you know this song? All right. All right. You've just got to hear the, the chorus. I just did you hear the moaning in that song? I love it. That moaning it's, is that is a song that was sampled by the Beastie Boys many times. Oh yeah. It's there, called Jeanette Lady Day, Come Let Me Love You. Isn't there another one that they didn't there was a house song with that moaning, isn't it? With the, the moaning? To... I don't know. That must that might be the mo- most moany song that I've ever heard. No, little Louis Vega. Oh yeah. Doesn't he, doesn't he have a, a moaning song? We'll do it. I don't we'll want to hear yeah, we're gonna do are the best moaning songs. Put it on the list. (laughs) Put on our list the best moaning song. All right. All right. Well, listen, you have a great trip. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Best songs that actually uh, have uh, sexual uh, sound. Yeah. Sex sounds. Yeah. Okay. I know a few of those. (laughs) Uh And then we just play. It's going to be like the weirdest. I made a couple. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Maybe. Did you? Did you make a few mixes? I don't know if I want to hear those. All right. Where are you going? I'm going to uh, Maui, Hawaii. Wow. By yourself? Maui. No. Well, I'm going with my daughter. Oh, uh, what a My 16-year-old daughter decided she wants to go with me, so that's pretty cool. I've never been to Maui. Neither I've have been I. to Hawaii, yeah. so I can, I'll report back. Let me know. Uh, and let me... I, uh, cannabis isn't legal there, right? Or is it? Uh, it's legal for medicinal purposes. Oh, okay. Uh, I, I have my medical card. It's a necessity for me, so... Yeah. Maui Wowie is a it. really good blend. I, I like it. I like some Maui Wowie. It's an original high sativa dominant yeah. hybrid, so I'm a big fan. Awesome. All right, we'll have a wonderful trip. Thanks, brother. Appreciate it. Peace. See y'all. All right. Peace. Everything is personal. See ya.
Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hey everyone, it's Ryan from the Cannabis Connoisseur Podcast. If you're looking for ways to utilize cannabis to keep you healthy, strong, and sharp, come join us every Wednesday where we dive into the best ways to use cannabis to optimize your life. Topics include cannabis and athletics, cannabis for productivity, cannabis for anxiety, cannabis for a healthy immune system, and so much more. If you're a curious connoisseur, this show is for you. So please head over to our page and we're looking forward to seeing you this week. Bye.